Amanda Nunes has no equal, but I can't wait for the sequel. With the fight selections and the fight reflections, this is fighting with myself. Oh, 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 fighting with myself. Oh, 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 yeah. Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast, a podcast for the above average MMA fan hosted by an above average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice. Before we start today's show, uh, I would like to get something off my chest. There's something I want to talk about uh, as far as what's going on in the world around us. And if you are someone who wants to avoid politics and uh, you want to bury your head in the sand and, and ignore the world that's going on outside of sports, I totally get that. I, you know, if, if you uh, think this show is an escape for you and an MMA in general is an escape for you, that is lovely. And, you know, skip, feel free to skip to the next segment. I've put this as a separate segment for anyone that wants to avoid it, but I, I can't avoid it. And I, I refuse to be silent on this. I, I have to use what, what little platform I have to, to speak out on issues I feel passionate about. And if you haven't figured out already, I'm talking about the fucking rampant issue in the world right now, which is police brutality against people of color and, and the fucking tragedy that happened with George Floyd, which has sparked and reignited the Black Lives Matter movement. I, I can't be silent about it any longer. It's, it's just something that we need to, to speak up about it. And when I say we, I, I mean everybody. And I, and I for, forgive me for not uh, sounding as uh, coherent. You know, I, I'm going to probably get a little emotional. I, I didn't uh, write, for the most part, write things down in terms of getting my thoughts across because I just wanted to speak from the heart. I touched upon it a little bit last episode, and to be honest, I didn't, I didn't touch upon it enough, and shame on me for that. Part of that was, you know, I had Fernando on, and, and that, by the way, hands down the best episode I've ever done, and it absolutely was because of her. It had almost nothing to do with me, which I thought was uh, pretty, pretty, pretty funny. Um, and, uh, I just didn't want to detract from, from that message we had going on in, and the, the opening part about it. But after, after that episode, I, I watched the video of Israel Adesanya speaking at the, at the rally that he was at the protest, uh, in, in honor of George Floyd. And it broke my heart and it awoke something in me. And it just, I believe that we're in the middle of a revolution and we have to, we have to say something. And if, and if you think if you think it's a matter of politics, I vehemently disagree. This is not a political issue. This is not a right versus left issue. Uh, this is a human rights issue. This is not, you know, about black versus white or anything like that. It's about everybody against systemic racism. People are getting killed and it's fucking disgusting. And I don't sit here and claim to have all the answers. I, I'm by no means uh, an activist, but I'm doing my damn part. And, and I got to say also, words are not enough. Actions are what's going to enact change. There are, there are people out there 
who are just adding Black Lives Matter to their profile name on social media like it's a fucking trend. Like that's doing something. And these people, for the most part, and I'm not singling anyone out, and it it certainly doesn't uh, pertain to anyone listening to this podcast, those people don't even show their face. How are you lending your voice, lending your support to a movement when you don't have your face out there? It's not fucking helping. And and I and I haven't posted a lot about what I'm actually doing as far as the actions because I, I think shit like that becomes a contest and it becomes about like look at what I'm doing. But but dude, you best believe I'm doing shit. And I I, I support everyone out there protesting. I wish I could protest with you, but I have a compromised immune system and a crippling anxiety that <laughs> permits me from being in large crowds during a pandemic. It really does. You know, I've been back at work this week and uh, I snapped at somebody for not wearing their mask. Like I I can't go out and protest right now, but shouts to everyone in our, in our MMA community that I see protesting Shane Tara, Genghis, the homie Tev talks, Mick. Also, I shouted him out last episode. You guys are, are are the best and I'm, I'm sure I'm missing people and I don't mean to do that. Um, those are just the ones off the top of my head that I see. But I, I just want everyone to know where I stand and that it, it, it's a deeper issue than politics. And I've done my best uh, throughout the history of the show, the, the year plus that I've been doing it, to, to largely not involve politics. But I think I've also made it pretty clear where I stand on, on, on as far as, you know, right or left and things like that. You kind of know where I stand. This is, we need change. And, and if... I, I hope no one listening to this feels this way, but if you're one of those people that respond with all lives matter when you see someone post Black Lives Matter, you're part of the fucking problem, dude. Of course all lives matter, and that's what the Black Lives Matter movement is about. You saying all lives matter when when there's a certain set of lives that, that are the ones being you know, violated and in and, and, and some places killed doesn't fucking do anything. And I, and I can already tell that I'm getting a little bit too impassioned for this to come off as uh, a, a heartfelt thing. And by no means am I virtue signaling. And that's the other thing, dude, I got to fucking talk about this. And this is a, this is a quote that I'm, I'm uh, not a quote, but a, a speech that I'm lifting from my, my good friend, Andrew's uh, social media. I paraphrase a little bit, change some of the words to get my point across, but uh, you guys will know Andrew as my uh, co-host from my other podcast. Well, some of you anyway, uh, my former podcast. Uh, but this is, this is something that I fucking hate. The virtue signaling is literally like one of the most hated phrases I, that has come out in the last se- several years that I'm just absolutely sick of. And this is what my friend said about it. He says, I've noticed when a celebrity or per- personality of note publicly says online, Black Lives Matter, they often get accused of virtue signaling. All because they have come to grips with new knowledge and now want to use their First Amendment rights and their platform to teach others. So that means anyone who shares anything at all they believe to be good and virtuous for humanity is virtue signaling, which means no one is. Virtue signaling does not exist. And and so there are people who have said, oh, I've refrained from, from posting because I don't want to come across as virtue signaling. You're fucking part of the problem. Silence isn't helping. And, and if you say that, oh, I've told, I've told my friends, they know that or they should. 
We need people speaking up. We need people speaking out and saying, hey, this is wrong. And this is this is not an anti-police thing. I mean, in many ways it is. Let, let's be clear about that. There's a fucking problem with, with the way things are run. But this is not to say that all cops are bad. I know some good people that are cops, friends and family. And, and you know what? When, whenever you apply to, to be a cop, uh, you need references and background checks from friends. And, and I, family members and friends have, have applied and used me as a reference. And I said, I would recommend this person to, to be in law enforcement. They are good people. But it is the one job where you can't have a single bad apple. I'm I'm just sick of what's going on, and I, and the country is hurting, and I'm hurting. And I, you know, I I I grew up in um in uh, North Las Vegas, and if you've been to North Las Vegas, you know it's not the best part of town. And I went to a school in East Vegas, and and again, if you uh, if you've been to East Vegas, you know that's not the best part of town either. And I was surrounded by by people of all races and 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 minorities and people of color. And my friends are are openly weeping at what's going on in this country, and and it really makes me sad. And it makes me sad that people don't get it. I'm making an active effort to check my privilege, and it doesn't just go away in a day. And I know that. And we need to be educating ourselves and we need to be speaking out and we need to be checking other racists. It's not enough to not be racist. You gotta, you can't be that guy that's like, oh yeah, I have a few black friends. I'm not racist. That's not fucking enough, dude. And I've, and I've already, and I've reached a point where I've, I've, I've said too much, probably get too impassioned because Again, I hope that this is not directed at anyone listening to this podcast. I hope I don't have anyone listening who thinks that uh, protesting is wrong and and things like that. And 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 here's the problem: if if you're talking about like what's come out of the protests, besides the protesting, people are rioting and looting. Okay, first off, a lot of that doesn't have to do with the protesting. It doesn't have to do with the protesters, and isn't started by them. And what little of it is. It's because they're not being heard. <laughs> you can't tell people when to protest or how to protest. They tried kneeling. You didn't like that. Like, what is it going to take? I, I, I can no longer be in, in support of, of a system that, that, that feeds into this absolute garbage. And, and I can't... I can't be complicit and I cannot be silent. If, if you think that if you're worried about losing followers or losing views on whatever content you make by speaking out, ask yourself why. Ask yourself, why are you uncomfortable talking about human rights? Your silence is a stance. If you're saying I'm not making a stance, by not making a stance, that's your fucking stance, dude. And I will. I I cannot be on the wrong side of history. How many years is it going to take, dude? Thank you for listening to this. Whoever did, um, I just needed to get that off my chest. 
um, there are, there are things that are, that are going on that it's it's just I want kids someday, and I want to be proud about the world that I'm bringing them into. And I want to tell my kids when the revolution happened what I did to be a part of it. And I want to tell my kids, hey, in 2020, we put a stop to police brutality with our actions. And I know it's not going away by the end of this year. Don't, don't get me wrong. I know it's going to take years. It's going to take years. But stop acting like it's got nothing to do with you because it does. And, and I thought this was happening in America and it largely is. And I, I, was, I was so blinded by just, I don't know, the American bubble that we live in that, that it's just like the center of everything. I thought the UK was so tolerant and now I'm seeing Michael Morgan and Chisanga Mulata posting about the, the stuff that's going on. I see Leon Edwards participating in those, in those protesting. Even New Zealand. This goes back to the beginning with Israel Adesanya. <laughs> He talked about how he makes white people scared just by existing. Like, what the fuck, man? You know what got me in that speech when Israel Adesanya was like, I didn't choose to be black, but if I had a choice, I'd still be black. And I'm ranting and getting over impassioned, so it's not probably coming across like it should, but... um. Wake up, man. Shit is going on that we need to put a stop to. And it's going to take more than tweets. It's going to take more than adding Black Lives Matter to your profile. It's going to take a lot more than that, dude. All right. Let's get into the fight. UFC 250 was a hell of a card, man. Hell of a card. And I've learned to not judge a card on paper. That said, on paper, it still was a pretty good card. There were there are plenty of people saying it was it was gonna be trash or, or it was trash just looking at it. Uh, just because you don't know anything about all the fighters on here and there might be some that you're not a fan of doesn't mean it's not a good card. There are plenty of uh, amazing matchups, and it delivered. Plus, this small cage, dude, to quote the great Sean Alshadi, the small cages love, the small cages life. It delivers, man. And I can see why some fighters would not like it. You know, if, if you have a footwork-heavy game plan, if you like to use range and distance, it doesn't really suit your style. Uh, you know, Israel Adesanya complained about, you know, Glory using a smaller ring to just create more knockouts. And that's certainly the recipe here. Uh, but, you know, knockouts are what we need right now, honestly, <laughs> to to get us through. And these fights delivered. Shouts to my man Herbert Burns starting off the night with that in, insane submission over the uh, veteran Evan Dunham. Great performance. Um, I don't know what's next for Herbert Burns. Few people asking about that in the uh, in in the forum. We'll get to that, but uh, he's he's certainly uh, he's certainly making waves, and I think he's for sure benefiting from his his brother's success. Like 
and, and I'm just maybe I'm just hesitant to be on the hype train, and I don't want to come off as, as throwing shade at all or being like you know whatever. And I said that after Nate Landworth's performance, you know, against Aaron Elkins, that I'm infinitely more impressed with Herbert Burns, but uh, he's still just got two fights in the UFC, so I don't want to talk him up like he's gonna you know make a run at the title and and be this amazing thing. I I think he just people are hyped on him because of his brother, and that's fine. That's right. Like he's great. You know, this is this is an amazing uh, pair pair of brothers here. Um, but uh, you know, he's he's certainly doing great things. That uh, that rear naked choke was nice. I will say that. Uh, Devin Clark, Devin Clark getting it done. I will say this surprised me. And uh, spoiler alert: I went like two and five on the prelims. <laughs> I was doing so bad. Uh, but your boy went five and zero on the main card. That's right. That's right. Um, but, uh, Alonzo Menafield is so explosive and, uh, like has these devastating knockouts that I, I just thought that would happen. Like, I haven't seen anything from Devin Clark that makes you think he's like really sound defensively. Um, not that he's has holes or, or anything like that, like specific ones, but I just didn't think like he would be able to overcome that power that early from, from Alonzo Menafield, but he did, he did. And it was like, once he got past that first round, once he weathered the storm, Alonzo gassed real bad. And uh, I don't know if that was a, you know, because of the short notice, you know, due to the pandemic and everything like that. But uh, it certainly was Devin Clark's game from, from there on out. I don't know if it was 30, 27, Devin Clark. There, there was one, one judge, if not two, uh, and maybe even some people online that were saying that Alonzo might have feel to me clearly won that first round, but then he clearly lost the last two. Um, I don't know, but it was, a, it was a great fight from Devin Clark. And, um, you know, every time I, under, I underestimate Devin Clark, he shows up. So I, I think I got to stop, stop under, underestimating him. Uh, moving on to Alex Perez and Juicy Formiga. Uh, this is one I definitely got wrong. I mean, I didn't pick it on the podcast or anything, but I was, you know, I was thinking that Juicy would, uh, you know, the vet, the veteran savvy, um, and, uh, just overall his jujitsu, he would be able to, to implement that. Nope. Alex Perez doesn't give a fuck about your jujitsu, dude. He was he was throwing those calf kicks that uh, Rogan loves so much, and uh, him and DC were were talking about those all night. Crazy, crazy uh, uh, stoppage there. Like he he just sort of flicks the the calf the on the on the last one that caused the stoppage. It looks like it just caught it on the toes, and um, Juicy dropped down. Now I thought that might have been a little bit premature from the ref. I think it was Keith Peterson. They just immediately call it off once the guy went to the ground. I was like, uh, maybe let him fight a little more. I, I don't know, but um, that was that was pretty one sided as far as you know those kicks were. Um, but uh, looking forward to Alex Perez, and eventually I'm gonna have to come around on Maki Patolo as well. This coconut bombs guy. Worst nickname in the UFC. Absolutely worst. Um some people I, I tweeted that out. Some people were like, you know, Beeson 258 wants to have a war with you. Prince of War wants to have a war with you. I'm like, listen, those are bad. First of all, Prince of War is terrible, but it's also just because it's attached to a terrible human. So I'm not even convinced that it's that terrible of a nickname. It's just, you know, it's it's attached to a guy who is like so new in his career and who beats the shit out of women. So like, what the fuck? Um, and uh, Beeson 25-8 was bad, but then he changed it to overtime, which was way better. And it had this, it was the same like uh, vibe, the same essence. 
And then he changed it back to Beast in 25A. I think it was because of Ariel Hawani. I was like, why did you do that, dude? So I, I was just kind of thinking that, that one doesn't register to me. But uh, yeah, terrible nickname, but amazing, amazing performance um, from Maki Patolo. I love that guy. And I also love like unique names and stuff. And I celebrate your, your um, you know, Islander heritage, you know, being a Hawaiian. So like go by Maki Patolo, not Coconut Bombs, dude. Anyway, um, nice to see Cody Stamen getting the win there. I did say I was picking Brian Kelleher and I made it very clear. I'm a massive Brian Kelleher fan. Uh, and really not a Cody Stamen fan, you know, pretty much at all. Don't like the guy. However, the, uh, the news that came out in five week about him losing his brother. I never want anyone to lose a fight after they've lost a family member. Like that shit is devastating. So when he got the win and, um, and he, he won on the, um, on the mic, you know, with, with Rogan and, and was a little bit choked up. I was like, man, I don't honestly, like he was keeping it together way more than I would have. Like I, I, I said that he wasn't. And there were some people that say, yeah, he cried right after. And he was crying in the thing. I was like, yeah, dude, but dude, like not enough. Like, not, and I'm not saying not enough. What I'm saying is like, if it was me, like I would be in shambles, like so, so strong for, for him to, to pick himself up like that. And the really good stuff from Cody Stamen. I wish he would stay at featherweight, but this is the problem. And I talked about this on, um, fights of the round table. This is like a little thing that, uh, some of the people from the fight pick championship I'm in are doing shouts to, uh, MMA marks and lap B. I think a Cheney from lap B is the one that organized it. Um, but I said this with with regards to him going up to featherweight. They did this at featherweight because it was short notice and things like that. And I, and I think it's also because of the pandemic. They don't want to cut as much weight. Cody Stamen is a thick boy. Let's let's make that clear. He's a thick boy. He should not be like the amount of weight he has to cut should not be what a thirty five or weighs. But his height and his reach are in line with the Bantamweight division. So it's terrible. Like he should, he's got like a Chad Mendes style, but like he really should be fighting a featherweight, but his ass would rather dehydrate himself to beat up on smaller guys rather than test his metal against some, you know, someone taller. So what do I know? Anyway, moving on to Ian Heinish versus Gerald Mearshot chart did not expect it to be this quick. I got to say, like, I thought this was going to be a pretty like, slug it out kind of a fight and go to a decision, maybe get a third round stoppage. And uh, I thought, you know, there was a chance that Mishar could pull out a submission, but I, I, I almost always go with Ian Heinish and I did. And dude, if you haven't heard Ian Heinish's story, I, I tweeted out Tev, Tev talks, uh, shout out to Tev had a tweet about it. And I dropped the article on that thread. Um, my man was in Spanish prison, like in Spain, in like pits fighting would like, I don't think those fights are on his record, but it's basically like MMA fights. It was kind of like no holds barred fights. And he was also like a drug mule, you know, internationally he was on the run, you know, it was just a crazy story. He ended up at Rikers. So like someone who goes through all that, like that's the kind of thing that I, I feel like doesn't get talked enough in regards to fighting. It's like the stuff that happened in your life that leads you to fighting and why like you are the way you are. The, the mental side plays a huge part. And I was like, someone that went through that, like hard to pick against him in a fist fight, you know? Uh, and he fucking beat the brakes off Gerald Mearshart. No disrespect. Uh, but he, he, uh, <laughs> he got a, a, an amazing round one TKO. So, so kudos to him looking forward to, to him getting back on track in the middleweight division. And I got to say, ate a ton of humble pie, ate a ton of crow, uh, with regards to the Alex, 
Caceres Chase Cooper fight. And I, I think I said this before, and it's such a lazy narrative to, to be like, well, if the right Alice Caceres shows up, then it could win. Or if the wrong Alice Caceres shows up, like, it's almost like, you know, but it's true. Like, Alex Caceres has shown us that we don't know which Alex Caceres we're going to get. Like, we get the one that goes the distance with Yari Rodriguez. And yes, they were just kind of pirouetting along the octagon, but like, also, Yari Rodriguez is like a phenomenal striker and uh, he held his own, got a split decision. Like, one one judge thought Alex won. So, you know, shit, shit is crazy out here with Alex Caceres because you could you could get him like he could get choked out by a debutante, but then he could also like go with Chase Hooper, who's really good grappler. And Alex Caceres like initiated some of the grappling sequences and was holding his own. Like, literally, no idea. I think it's like a motivation thing. I don't know, but Alex Caceres is someone I always want to support because he's vegan uh, and he's just he's funny. And he's got that wild personality, amazing, like, striker. I love his style as well. But I just, like, the consistency isn't always there. And um, also, if you watched him on Tough, he he was a bit of a weirdo. And, like, not in a good way. And I, and I say that with all due respect. But, like, some of the shit he was saying on uh, on Tough, I was, like, like super cringe. Uh, but um, I always love when he does well because I think he's now coming into his own. Shouts to Bruce Leroy. And shouts to O'Malley. Wow, that KO. Oh, my God. Let me tell you this. Eddie Wineland is as tough as they come. And there were a ton of people that were like, oh, he hasn't had enough competition. Like, he's on his way out. You know, he needs to be fighting some some whatever. Dude, Eddie Wineland, you better put some respect on his name. That's the for, former WEC champ, a guy that's been around the game for a long time. And to, to be honest, I don't think he, Eddie Wineland looked like he's lost a step that much like he's not that slow in regards to his, his old former self he just he he fights with his hands down and that's what he does and uh that faint left with a straight right down the pipe that O'Malley caught him with beautiful b-e-a-utiful that was a hell of a KO and that rainbow hair dude I'm so here for it all you haters that that don't like it making the snow cone references he's laughing all the way to the bank that hair is money. I love it. I seriously, I can't get enough of Sean O'Malley, and uh, he has more of a personality than just smoking weed in video games. Okay, um, <laughs> just saw a tweet before I recorded that was about that. But dude, seriously, uh, Sean O'Malley is the king, and I would like to see a step up um, for him. And I and I tweeted about him fighting Garbrandt, which we'll get to, and I'm not saying that's the absolute right fight to make. I'm just saying I want to see it. And uh, I also think like Sean O'Malley's ready for that next step. And Cody can't just fight an old-ass Hoffaila Sunset and get right back in the title picture. Like, come on, dude. Come on, dude. We're going to forget he got knocked out by a jiu-jitsu guy? We're just going to forget that? Fuck out of here. Um but great win for O'Malley and great one for Neil Magny. Love that performance. I loved it. Uh, gotta, gotta always give Neil Magny credit. His pace is always there. He never fades. And, uh, I'm just a big fan of Neil Magny. I love the way he fights and I love his personality. I've, I've seen him in a couple of fights I've been to, uh, um, 199 in, uh, in Inglewood, California. He was there and he was also at 217 in MSG. Like he was in line ahead of us at Will Call getting his tickets. And I saw some people like go and take pictures. And I was like, eh, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin the vibe by going over. But uh, he was super nice to those guys. So 
I always love seeing that. I love, love Neil Magny. Uh, Aljamain Sterling, I got to say, man, wow. And I can't remember if I picked Cody on, on the podcast last week. Uh, or sorry, Corey, Corey Sanhagen. Uh, but I, I, my heart was definitely with Aljo, and I think I ultimately did. Like when I was submitting my picks for the five pick championship, I am, I'm in. I was definitely leaning with Aljo. Uh, my man got it done. First round submission. I thought it was going to be a decision. Like the way I saw uh, Corey Sanhagen tough out that armbar um, from Yuri Alcantara or Alcantara, I think it is, um, and the way he escaped that guillotine from John Lineker with the fucking blood gushing out of his nose. I was like, he's not going to submit him. And then he fucking did. Corey tapped and then napped his last breath. He tapped mercifully tapped for mercy. And then the ref pulled him off and then he slumped to sleep. Oh my God. It was beautiful. You love to see it. I love Aljo. Uh, I love that. He, um, he had something to say on the mic. It was beautiful. That's what we need. Not fucking, I don't know. I, I already did the the, the rant. <laughs> but, uh, dude, Cody Garbrandt. Let's talk about Cody Garbrandt. Now, I hoped the move to uh, Mark Henry's camp was going to be good for him. Particularly because that's in my neck of the woods, and obviously I love those guys. Um, but, you know, I think in MMA, like, too much is made of a camp change, like when Kevin Lee went to TriStar, and I'm guilty of it as well. You know, I thought I thought that was the recipe for success. Like, that, that's why I I, I thought he was going to be Gregor, and I picked him against Oliveira, which obviously didn't work out. But I just thought that was the right mix. And uh, w- with camp changes, you never know. It's not just about what that camp does. It's about the um, relationship and the chemistry between the athlete and the coach. So... Uh, I honestly didn't know what to expect. I was being conservative um, with regards to how much that was going to help, but I think it did. Like Cody Garbrandt memorized the codes with Mark Henry, um, and they were talking to each other in there. Like he was like, "You hit me with that wheel kick four times," and since I was like, "Yeah, I'm still going to throw it," and like I fucking love that shit. Uh, it was great, and he stopped him right at the bell, dude. They called it four minutes fifty nine seconds. It really was like right at the bell that he waved it off. So I really wish they would just said like five minutes of the second round like the round was over i don't know it was it was beautiful it was so it was so good he like wound that thing up like he was dipping for a takedown looked like he was like tying his shoe and then ripped that right hook i mean that was a fucking nuke of a right hand shouts to goon but uh man and and then they they put him on the stool, dude. Oh my god! Like get that stool out of there. He was his equilibrium still wasn't back yet. That was uh that was uh scary stuff. Uh, the story of the night was like people kept saying which KO was better. I seen like five tweets about that, dude. Which KO was better? Um, what are we? What are we? Entertainment tonight? Who wore it better? <laughs> they were both sick ass walk off KOs. Like let's uh let's not compare them. That's it. No, I honestly don't know. I'm on the fence because like if I were to say like if I were to contribute to the conversation, okay, like Sean O'Malley was dominating his fight and that um, that knockout didn't exactly come from nowhere. Um, it kind of was a surprise and it was like uh, an oh shit moment, but it wasn't like he was in danger. Like Cody, there was like he ate one of those wheel kicks and I was like, oh. You know what I mean? Like the fight was pretty competitive, and it went all the way to the second end of the second round. Like it went ten, basically ten whole minutes, and he got it right at the end. So it was, 
that to me was like slightly more impressive, but also to like go in there and not take any damage is also impressive. So it's like, you know, I don't know where I fall on that, but um, I got to say when it comes to Cody, if Dominic Cruz is still going to fight, like if he's not going to demand more title shots and stuff, I would love to see uh, Dominic Cruz and Cody Garbrandt rematch. And again, I, I call for the O'Malley fight because I want O'Malley to get a step up and I, and I want Cody to, probably be a gatekeeper as bad as that sounds but i also like um i really want to see that cruise rematch um with uh with dominic and and cody that 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 would be something special i think but uh who knows who knows especially if it's three rounds like that would that would just be a different dynamic um there'd be more sense of urgency for a finish Ooh, that would be that would be scary and speaking of scary, dude, the Amanda Nunes fight was an absolute shutout. She she just proved how good she is. And I, I hate when they do this when they when they make the story of the fight how how tough um, the uh, opponent is that's receiving the damage. And uh, that certainly was the uh, the story of the fight. I mean, Amanda Nunes has has basically put out anyone that she has been able to lay hands on that well. You know, obviously she like wrestled Durandami into the ground. By the way, I know it's not Durandami. I just like saying that. It's Jermaine Durandami. Durand, Durand, but um, uh, Durandami is just funny to me. Uh, but Amanda Nunes has some scary power, and Felicia was like ready for it. She just she just wore that, and I, and I was like, yeah. Like you love to see it. And then there were some talks from the, uh, from the, from the broadcast about the corner maybe stepping in. Uh, I wouldn't have hated it if they did. I wasn't like calling for it. I wasn't screaming at my TV like I was with Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira. But look, she wasn't winning that fight. There was no way she was getting she was getting out grappled and outstruck. Like uh, shouts to Sean Alshadi from the Athletic, which we're going to talk about in a second, dude. Um, when we get to the next segment, but Sean Alshadi uh, did a recap of the of the of the fights, and he was saying how um, Nunez went six out of seven on her takedowns. And Felicia was 0 for 7. So if we're sitting here saying Felicia's best way of winning the fight is if they get caught in a scramble and she catches her submission, we found out that that wasn't true. We found out that Amanda was able to piece her up in the feet, outland her like 140 to 40 or something like that, some, some crazy number, and didn't like look like she had a scratch on her face, and then also was able to take her down at will, was was tripping her and hitting with some nice like judo throws at will, sometimes didn't even do anything, was just like throwing her and be like, look, I can throw you. Absolutely virtuoso performance. And uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if Felicia won. I, there was there was a ton of people that was like, it was mixed. It was so mixed. Like, by the way, if you're like celebrating uh, Felicia's demise, like I told you, like this fucking asshole was like putting a screenshot of his bet before the fight, being like, "We know what's going to happen." No, we don't. This is fighting, man. Anything can happen. We know what's going to happen. Fuck out of here with that. But uh, I certainly didn't like predict it. I did think Amanda was going to win. I just, uh, you know, Felicia had some tools that could have been an advantage, and they just weren't. And that's okay. So where do, where do they go from here? Does uh, uh, Megan Anderson get the next shot immediately? You know, I don't know if there's anyone at women's 135 other than Irene Aldana. Uh, I don't know if you do Felicia versus Megan 2 as the number one contender fight. But then if Felicia wins, then he's just right back in there. Like, 
She needs to take some time off. Like that's the problem with that division. And you know, also the problem with that division is, is Joe Rogan and uh, D- Daniel Cormier talking about Amanda's next opponent in the fifth round before the fight was even stopped. And it wasn't like, have some goddamn respect for what's going on. Like, don't, don't say what's next when the fight isn't over. That's just, I, I couldn't believe that. Some of the worst commentary I've heard in a while. And I'm not a Joe Rogan hater. Uh, like the the memes and stuff with him being like, he's hurt when it's just like a light jab. Like that's funny and that's fine. Um, but he also has been doing this for like longer than anybody in the UFC and has given us some great moments and he knows his shit when it comes to most things. He just has, he's too used to doing the podcast and, and not used to like, actual broadcasting so sometimes he goes off the rails and that was one of those moments like that that's why you need a guy like john anik the play-by-play guy to fucking keep them in and be like what's going on with this transition you're like i don't know it, it just wasn't it wasn't cute but overall amazing night of fights i was i will say one of the best cards this year uh it, it really was something special i don't know if it was was better than 249 but uh, I, I tend to think maybe it was. And maybe that's a smaller cage. You know, it's just the vibe of the apex. Um, I liked the walkouts too, man. Felicia with that, don't stop me now. I love that song so much. And it was so funny. Like the walkouts I thought maybe could have been like switched. Like her and Amanda's. Um, and I think had that Lady Gaga song or whatever, the the that new shit. It was so, so good. But I thought it was more of like a pump me up kind of a thing. And uh, Amanda Nunez could have had the Queen one. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I'm weird. But uh, I'm going to end this uh, segment here uh, because I've already uh, took up, taken up too much time on, on uh, my opening segment. And uh, let's take a quick break before we get into some news. Some news. How about that? We finally have some news to talk about. It feels like the past several weeks, any news that has been in the MMA news cycle has just been matchups that are announced for the fight card that's happening that weekend, and I've already recorded, and it's like, what the fuck? So um, I'm glad to be talking about uh, a bit of news that um, is on the horizon, and that is they've they've, uh, rebooked Rose Namajunas versus Jessica Andrade 2, for July 11th, and it's possibly reportedly going to take place on Fight Island. Now, there's a couple of things to unpack there. First of all, Fight Island was just uh, leaked, reported, I believe, by Kombache, um, that it's going to be taking place in Abu Dhabi. And I believe it was John Morgan. Someone asked Dana White like to confirm that and the post-fight presser last night. Um, they said it was reported it was Abu Dhabi. Can you confirm that? And he just sort of smirked and was like... Uh, I'll give you more details next week or in the coming week or something like that. And I'm like, you have the opportunity to either refute that or, or, or confirm it. Like what the fuck is going on? Like, I don't know. That just seems like not it. Um, I, I don't know. It just kind of supports my whole fucking narrative about fight Island being a bunch of horseshit. Like it's either not real or it's costing way too much money than, than should be spent right now on anything that isn't fighter health and safety. Like what the fuck? And I get it, it's for international fighters who, who, you know, with travel bans and things like that, they can't come to the States where you are able to have the fights, but like, bro, what? 
I don't know. I, I'm just not completely sold on Fight Island. This is one of those things where I'm gonna, I'm only gonna believe it on the day that it's happening. Seriously, even Fight Week, if they announce the whole thing, they've got a venue, they've got a picture of the whole thing, they've got, you know, a statement from whoever owns the island. Like, I'm not gonna believe it until I see those fighters on that island, and that's it. But we'll see. But and as far as the fight itself, obviously very excited about this fight. I, I talked about how I really wanted to see it at 249, you know, when I when I had tickets. Uh, very excited. Rose is one of my favorite fighters. And uh, she was winning the hell out of that fight. There's a bunch of Andrade marks that are like, oh, she's going to get short that slam again. She's going to murk. She's going to murk a girl or whatever the fuck. Rose Namajunas is going to do work. And, and I don't give a fuck if I'm, if, if I'm out of touch there. Rose Namajunas is going to fucking do work. Work. Write that down. Comeback season, baby. Yeah. And then when she gets past Jessica, she's going to fucking get the shot at Zhang Weili, and she's going to be Zhang Weili as well. How about that? That I know is a little bit um, tough to say. But, dude, I love Rose, and that's that's it. That's where I stand. And the last uh, bit of news, uh, unfortunately, is not good news. It's It's... And in fact, pretty sad. And it's just something I want to talk about because uh, it was announced this week um, that uh, the MMA team over at The Athletic had to let some of their writers go. There were some layoffs. Um, I don't know if that's the right word. Um, but, uh, you know, Chuck Hall was let go. Dan Stupp, the, the editor of that phenomenal team. You know, Chad Dundas, Josh Gross, the just like titans in the game who I, who I have the utmost respect for and who I've enjoyed reading their words. And, and that's another thing. Like I've been talking about the athletic for a while. And when this news came out, there were some people who, who were just making tweets like y'all pay for MMA news. I, I was absolutely disgusted by those tweets. I got to say, and that's nothing personal against anyone who wrote them and I'm not naming names, but you know, it's way more than that. I gladly, pay pay for my subscription and I gladly support them because they are the best writers in our sport right now and they're they're doing work that that is br- groundbreaking and pushing the envelope the fighter survey so if you listen to my last episode with with Fernanda she talked about it at the end she said we're teasing something great that's going to that's changing things it's super cool that she was so pumped about it. you could hear it in her voice that next day the monday it, it came out that they did a fighter survey and let me just tell you, in the you know five years that I've been an MMA fan, I have not seen better work than what they're doing right right now with this survey. Absolutely blowing the roof off of the the game, I, really, and I and I mean that. So if if you are a friend of mine, you're a friend of the show, reach out. You know, I have a few, I, I found this out on my, on my app and I'm pretty sure, uh, I have some guest passes where I can give you like a 30 day trial if you want. I mean, they offer their own trial, uh, which you can still do. And, uh, you know, I, I absolutely think so. But you know, if, if you're on the fence, let me know because it's, it's, it's a great deal. It's not even that much. And you're supporting good work and you're supporting people that write without an agenda that they write things that, that they're passionate about. The reason I had Fernando on the show last week is because no one, I believe, in our sport writes about the human condition more be, better than Fernanda. 
it, it the the way she talks about emotion and the mental side of it, it's it's unparalleled. And when when it, there's there's uh, whenever there's a fight that happens or, or something happens where I, I feel conflicted about or I I just don't know how to feel, I read her work and I just go, yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. And that's definitely an oversimplification of 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 the feeling and and everything like, but that's the kind of work they do, and it's and it's because the the platform and the business model lends itself to that. And if you subscribed, you would know that, and you would see. So I, I would just like to see a little more compassion from our community. I was so sad that people were like, you know, maybe hey, maybe if you would subscribe, maybe these people would still have jobs. How about that? I don't know. Uh, that that's probably a little too harsh, and and again, not directed at anyone in particular. But I, I was I was just kind of upset when I when I saw that it, it came in a, a really bad day for me, to be honest. And the shit was not going well, and that when that news happened, it was just sort of piling on. When and again, not, nothing to do with me personally. So that's sort of like you know shitty of me to like feel bad in that way, trying to make it about myself. I'm definitely not doing that. But uh, it it was a sad day for sure. And so let's. Uh, Let's try and cheer things up and let's move on to a segment that always lifts my spirits, and that is the forum. All right, let's start things off the right way with some positivity from my man Frank. Take it away, Frank. Hey, Juice, it's Frank from Toronto. Uh, some people might formerly know me as Gino Peppers. I deleted that account and all my uh, MMA Twitter crap. It just became too much for me during the pandemic, so I decided to cut shit out of my life. So I follow you now and a few other people through my teacher account, which is Sabino Mister. But uh, I can't say shit and fuck and all that stuff on that because kids are watching my posts, but they're not listening to this. So basically, uh, as I drove, I, I took a drive yesterday for an hour and a half. Listen to that uh, interview with Fernanda. Incredible, by the way, and it uh, evoked all this, all these other thoughts out of me. Well, you're talking a lot about the mental aspect of the game with Darren Till and everything. I think with the pandemic, something, some element has gone from the fighters. With Tony losing, with Woodley losing, what do you think of Amanda losing? I'm not just saying that because I'm Canadian, but I really feel like there's going to be an upset tonight, and I might put some serious money on it. What do you think, Juice? Felicia. Love that guy. Thanks so much for that message, Frank. It really means a lot. And I didn't want to not play it uh, just because it, uh, the result didn't go your way uh, in terms of uh, what, what you predicted at the end there with Felicia. And uh, definitely feeling for anybody in Canada who was really pulling for her. And, it, and I know it wasn't just a Canadian thing. Like There's a lot that makes Felicia likable. And, uh, you know, she's actually grown up most of her life in America. So she kind of reps both countries. And it, and, it, and it sucks, you know, like what, what you were saying about the mental aspect with, with this whole pandemic is definitely something to talk about. Like if if Amanda had lost, I wouldn't necessarily have attributed to attributed it to that, but it certainly would have been a factor, I think. I mean, we talk about what's going on in the world right now with things not being open. Everything just feels so uncertain, you know. When, when everything first got shut down, I was like, hey, just, just give us a couple months, you know, and then it became three and then it became like maybe the rest of the year honestly we don't even know and there's a lot of people pushing for things to reopen and uh there's just so much uncertainty that when you talk about fighters being able to train and not being able to train it it affects their performances and and if, if she had lost like not not only the lack of training but the mental aspect could have been a part of it but uh not not taking away from anything she did do i, I think i don't think that was a result of felicia not being able to train 
um, it, it was it was a masterclass. So uh, thank you so much, Frank, for that positivity. And uh, I really appreciate everything you just said. Juicy baby, it's your boy. I say dude a lot. You know me, just chilling out over here, fucking Michigan, doing Yeti bullshit. When I'm not fucking, you know, bench pressing motherfuckers, whole families, Dick Rod and Nick Diaz, or fucking eating so many edibles, I end up in a goddamn K-hole. I like watching anime. So, dude, I need to know what's your top five anime of all time. All right? Some important shit over here. And I appreciate it if you could uh, fit this in on your next episode. All right, Juicy Baby, nothing but love for you. Dude, signing out. Yes. Thank you, dude, for that question. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of an anime casual, so I might not have the best list for you, but maybe, uh, I hope that I, I present some things that you might not have seen, or maybe you can at least agree with in part. Um, it's maybe one of those other things that's a test, you know, so hopefully I pass. Um, for the most part, these are in no particular order. I'll do my best to rank them in, in a sense. Uh, for me, it all started with, uh, with Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Um, I think those count as anime either way they they are to me and I love I love fucking Dragon Ball Z and uh is it cheating if I separate them like Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z because they are different different shows um I would count uh Naruto after that and uh, Death Note um so if Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Z count separately I'm at 4 um so I'll do two more just in case. So after that, I think would be Avatar: The Last Airbender. Always love that shit, and that that got me interested in martial arts more. Um, watching it because of the different styles in there. Um, uh, I also want to shout out to uh, Cowboy Bebop. is is another great anime I used to watch. So there's my list. Again, probably super casual, but that's that's where I'm at with this. <laughs> Juicy baby, it's your girl, Poke Mama, 91. Over here doing my favorite shit, two of my favorite shits. I'm watching Heinish, fuck dudes up. Well, I got some Heine over here twerking. Say hello, Heine. Hey. Get back to twerk. All right, real talk, you know me, I love that ass. Which female UFC fighter? Has the hottest ass. Alright. Pope Mom 9 1 out. Yo! Oh, uh, that was the best impression that wasn't really an impression I've ever heard. Thank you, Poke Mama. I think it's Poke Mama, by the way. Um, oh my god. Uh, I think the GOAT right now is, uh, uh, as far as ass in the UFC for, for females, is Tracy Cortez. Um, obviously, uh, the obligatory Rachel Ostovich got to put in there and dude, let me just say like, it's not fucking like, there's some people that think it's like, you know, too mainstream to say that. And that somehow you say like, oh, she doesn't do it for me. Like that makes you cool 
or whatever, like, you don't have to fucking put somebody else down to raise somebody else up. So, uh, if you don't like Ray Sochovitz, that's fine. But, uh, for me, that's, uh, that's at least number two. You could also put Felicia Spencer in there. Felicia Spencer got cake as well. Um, Felice Herrig isn't bad. You know, we're talking about pound for pound. I mean, for strawweights, that's, that's pretty good. Angela Hill. Angela Hill got cake. Um... But I think probably number one right now is Tracy Cortez. Uh, thank you for that, Pokemama. What's going on, my man? I got a question for you. The MMA fans just want to see a strong, dominant champion lose? Uh, are like, they eager to see something like that? Or do they really think a lot of these people who have no business being in the same cage as them on the same night really have a chance? I saw so many people saying that Felicia Spencer was going to take this upset. Oh, she's so tough. Oh, she's so durable. Do you know what a tough and durable fighter gets you at this level? It just increases the duration of that ass beating. That's So that's my question right now. Are these people really thinking that these underdogs stand a chance? Or are they just hoping, praying that these fighters pull an upset so that there's hope in the division and that other people have a chance at touching the title? I got to know that. My man, Kairos. I got to say, usually when uh, when Kairos goes off like that, I'm like, yes, motherfucker, go on that rant. Yes, tell him what's up. And I'm like, yes. I, I remember when... Uh, you know, he first started on the WoCast. Uh, they used to call him Pastor Kairos. They're like, Pastor Kairos is holding a sermon right now. And I would be like, yeah. But I got to say, my man, I think this is a little off base. And the, and here's why. I think you're coming at it from a little bit of a wrong angle. First of all, I think a, a truly like dominant champion that the skill set is the, the, the level of talent in between the champion and the contenders, that the gap is so far... When that's the case, I think it can be a little bit boring. That's just how I feel. So I got to say, I love pumping up the challengers like that. I love having that faith and hope in the underdog. And I don't think that's corny. And I don't think it's uh, it's whatever. And I don't think it's it's worthy of, of being shamed like that. Like, yes, Kairos deals with a lot of people because he, he, he puts those amazing video posts that he he does a lot of fucking ignorant trolls who say, Kairos, this shit is going to happen. He, and he has to go off like that. So I get it. But I got to say, saying that Felicia Spencer was going to pull off an upset is not a thing that should be uh, ridiculed like that. I think there's 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 nothing wrong with that. And as far as like, Hoping and praying versus like predictions. I, I I don't like that the way MMA fans pick fights. Sometimes I don't like that. I don't like when it's about like you know just about the X's and O's and things like that. And uh, and that if it's pick if you pick against Amanda Nunes, it's disrespectful or you don't know anything about MMA. I don't think that's um, that's cool. But that's just my personal belief. And uh, like I said, I, lo- I love you. I love your stuff, and you know that. So that that's no uh, that's no disrespect to you either. That's just uh, that's just how I feel, man. And I and I and I like to come at it from that angle. And I and I I always like to root for the underdog. You know, I'm the guy that picked Dustin Poirier against Habib, and I knew how stupid that was going to make me look if he lost. And I'm I will do it again. You know, that's just the way I come at things. So that's me. You know. Cheers. Oh, St. Kicks here, slash uh, typo on my photo on Instagram. Thanks for doing the show. Got to start with that. Always love 
sending you a question after after a night of fights. It gets my brain moving again. Um, big takeaways from this this card. Number one, I thought I was going to be trash. Said I wasn't going to spend the money on it. Glad I did. Nunez, what a route. She's much better than anybody in either of those women's division that she has belts in. Um, but you know my question coming up. My boy Herbert Burns put in some work, got the fucking job done in a minute, like I knew he would. He's that good. What do you think's next for him? I think they need to step up the competition level for him. He's ready for it. Let's get him into these rankings as soon as possible. Yes, dude. And I got to say, this guy is so nice that he hasn't corrected me for this long. I've been saying his name is Old Street Kicks because it's O-L-S-T and it's Old Saint. How was I supposed to know? But uh, thank you, my man, for this question. And uh, yes, I did know that you were going to talk about Herbert Burns. My man loves the Burns brothers. And you know what, dude? Like, Here's the thing. Um, him and I got into it a little bit when... Um, Herbert Burns had just made his debut. I, he apparently was calling out Ryan Hall. I made a whole blog post about getting Ryan Hall a fight, which I just found out was my most viewed blog post, probably because he got booked for a fight right after. And I said I was predicting the fucking future. Um, but uh, I, I was saying that Ryan Hall doesn't need to take a fight against someone like Herbert Burns who just got in the UFC. And I, I, I think refusing a fight or, or turning down a fight isn't always ducking somebody. I really hate that narrative in MMA with like, Oh, he's ducking like Jorge Masvidal asking for mo more money. He's not ducking Usman, you fucking sheep. Um, but, uh, I gotta say, I wouldn't hate the Ryan Hall fight or, or Crone Gracie, to be honest with you. And, and I know like, we don't, we don't always need to match people up against the same style. Like styles make fights. And sometimes, uh, contrasting styles make for, for more exciting matchups. But right now, I want to see if Crone Gracie can handle a guy like Ber Herbert Burns or if uh, or if, if Ryan Hall can can keep Herbert Burns off of him enough to either submit him himself or or win a decision. Because i got to say, Herbert Burns probably has better stand-up. Uh, and that, that's an interesting fight to me. So any of those fights would, would be interesting. Or I wouldn't hate because... I mean, before everything went down, um, Ryan Hall was matched up against Ricardo Lamas. If that doesn't happen, I wouldn't hate Ricardo Lamas versus uh, Herbert Burns. You know, so uh, lots of fun fights to be made there at Featherweight. You could do any of those. Even and, and I and I know it's like killing off two contenders, but even uh, even Bryce Mitchell versus Herbert Burns is fire. Like that shit is amazing. Chas Skelly versus Herbert Burns isn't a bad fight if, if Chas Skelly's still in the UFC. I think he is. Haven't heard from him in a while. Great stuff from Herbert Burns. Love the question, my man. I'm back an hour later because I just saw your tweet, man. I saw you say Sean O'Malley versus Cody Park Garbrandt. Here's my question. Why do you want Sean O'Malley dead so badly? Hmm? Hmm? Why can't we let this young talent further develop his skill set and confidence? Why can't we give him someone in the top 15, top 10 and just call it a day? Why, why do we got to do that to Sean O'Malley like that? Everyone always talks about Bellator with how they give cans. And I don't mean to say cans as in calling fighters inferior because they aren't at a certain skill level. I'm using that terminology because that's what people use. But there are some cans out there if we're just being realistic too at the same point. 
let this man, Sean O'Malley, get that Bellator treatment where he's fighting people in his same ballpark, if not lower, so he can continue to develop his skill set and build his confidence and build the market for him. We don't have to throw him to the wolves. We know he's dangerous, but let him keep being dangerous for a little while, man. And then we could give Cody maybe Marlon. What do you think? Now this I more agree with, even though it's it's directly calling me out for my tweet. He's talking about a tweet I made that was saying, you know, Sean O'Malley versus Cody Garbrandt is the fight to make. And it wasn't I wasn't fucking fishing for likes or whatever. Um and by no means was I saying like that's the only fight to make. It's just something I would love to fucking see. And here's the thing, dude, like I gotta be honest, like you start out saying you want Sean O'Malley to be killed. I favor Sean in that fight. I really do. I really do. And uh, it's it's a bit too soon in terms of rankings, probably, and, and the fact that Cody's a former champion. But I also think, like, right now, nothing really makes sense because of what what's going on in the world with the pandemic. They're, they're cobbling together events. We're not getting the matchups that the rankings really, like, warrant. Like, Je- Jessica I is, I think, the number one or two ranked flyweight, and she's taking on unranked Cynthia Calvillo on a main event. Like, what the fuck is going on right now? Seriously. <laughs> so... I've stopped calling for matchups that I think were like further along the division. I've stopped claiming to think that I have some idea what the matchmakers are, what's going on in their heads. I don't, I have absolutely no idea. And I, and I don't think anyone else does either. So I'd rather just see like some fun ass matchups. And I think that will be fire. I also think Cheeto Vera versus Sean O'Malley is a, is a really fun matchup that we were supposed to get already before, uh, Sean got suspended. Um, you know, so I wouldn't hate that. There's a ton of fun matchups for all of them. Even Cody versus Cheeto was great. I'm, a, I'm more of a fan of Cheeto than I am of Sean O'Malley, so I would love to see him get the step up because he fucking beat Song Yadong, and I'm not fielding questions about that. Oh, my God, that judging was terrible. Oh, my God, some of you think that Song won that fight. Wow, dude. Jesus. Okay, so, yeah, like... <laughs> And what you said about the the Bellator matchmaking getting criticism and, and the term cans, I'm glad that you called that out because it's not always uh, apt. And here's the thing. There's a fine line because I think you have to, in some regards, you have to match up similar skill levels. So when they when they call up, you know, MVP getting cans or, or even Greg Hardy, like these are people with, or Dylan Dennis for that matter, like these are people who have hype because of their, you know, careers and life outside of, the, of of MMA, but they need people with like records. You know, the commission has to sanction these fights and things like that. Like Aaron Pico gets criticism for, for getting all this hype, but he, his record is, is shallow enough that he has to fight can sometimes. So it is what it is. And, and, and here's the other thing as well. Like, I also don't like people being protected. Now, I get what you said. Like, let's give him some matchups that are further along his confidence. And I even said in, my, in another tweet, I don't know if it was I put in the same thread or whatever. Like, don't get me wrong. I believe O'Malley is getting the Conor McGregor push. Like, he was given sort of favorable matchups to get him to a title shot, and he was kind of fast-tracked, and that's fine. And I think that probably will happen. Um, and to be honest, I think Cody is a favorable match. He's going to strike with him, and and Sean's got the reach and and... and might even have quicker hand speed, although Cody has very good hand speed as well. Like there, there's a lot of variables in that fight that make it fun, in my opinion. But I, I also, you know, what I like about MMA is that records don't have as much weight that they do in boxing, and that people understand that the best can lose on any given night. So I like just rolling the dice and throwing them in there. Uh, 
I think we need more tournaments. I think we need to bring back tournaments, even one-night tournaments. As much as I hate PFL, they're doing it. So, I don't know, man. Like, the Bantamweight division is on fire right now. So, so I don't think me saying Cody versus uh, Sean O'Malley is the fight to make is that egregious. But, like, you could you could match up any of those guys. Like, Sean O'Malley versus Andre Ewell is a fun fight. Like, there, there's so many fun fights right now for, for the Bantamweight division. Like... Honestly, like unless they they match up Sean O'Malley versus Song Yudong, I, I think it's gonna be a great matchup. I think I just really hate Song Yudong right now because I think he lost his last two fights. So so bad of me to say that, but like, come on. Yo, what's up, Juicy Baby? We've <laughs> had horse meat over him, sea level cane, full camp Mendes, and now receding hairline Cody Garbrandt. How good is he? Can he become champ again? What are your thoughts, bro? Yes, dude. That Kiwi dialect is fucking money. I love it every time. See level kind. Oh, I love it. Love everything about it. Shouts to Ricky. Uh, congratulations on the baby, man. That's amazing. I think I said that uh, before as well. Uh, but I don't care. Uh, life should be celebrated. Things like that are, are you know, positive. Uh, you know, on the timeline, which. And this isn't the time because this is his question, but shouts to, to Sienna, I, I think, or Sierra. I'm terrible with names, but uh, homegirl who, who just had a baby, uh, shouts to her as well. You know, having a baby in the, in the midst of this craziness is, is, is insane. Uh, you know, man, like, <laughs> yeah, it's Mercedes Airline Garbrandt is a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> Dude, you know, here's the thing. By the way, take a drink if every time I say here's the thing, if you're playing the FWN drinking game at home. I say that a lot. But but listen, <laughs> I don't know if it's receding hairline Garbrandt so much as it is Mark Henry Garbrandt or, or patient Garbrandt. Like, this reminds me of, of Gaethje flipping the switch. Like Gaethje got into those wars with Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier, and they didn't go his way. But he still was was showing his skills in them and was was showing a, a credible amount of toughness and and did damage to those guys even though they beat him, and uh, that's kind of what Cody went through. Although it was a little more one sided in the in the TJ fights, well the second one anyway. The first one he dropped TJ at the end of the end of the first round, like he those fights could have gone his way. And the Pedro Munoz fight, yeah. I gave him shit earlier. I said he was knocked out by a jiu-jitsu guy. That was a little bit disrespectful, probably. But, um, you know, there was something to be said for the clash of heads that happened earlier, and he said he was kind of fighting on instinct and just with his chin up. I mean, I, I really think that Mark Henry and Ricardo Almeida instilled a patience in him that is was needed in his game. I mean, he definitely had patience in the in the Cruz fight. So, like, this was in some ways a callback to that. And I think Cody has the tools to become champ again, but... With with what's going on in the division, like I don't think Cody beats Aljo. Um, I don't think. Uh, well, Cody might be Peter Yan to be honest. I, I'm a Peter Yan hater, and I, and I will admit that. And I think it's because there's the the timeline is full of Peter Yan dick riders. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Aldo beats Peter Yan to be honest with you. Even though that's something that shouldn't even be happening, I wouldn't be surprised if it does. You know, so there's that. But uh, he definitely is still a player 135. I think that's what he showed us. You know, that's why I don't think the uh the Sean O'Malley fight is that crazy to me. All right, Juice. It's me from over the sea. It's your boy Joe Blog 74. 
Just wanted to know what you think about all these fighters mourning about pay. I mean, I don't think Dana can do anything about it with what's going on. I mean, there's loads of fighters down at bottom end that get fuck all as it is when the world's normal. So what do you think about it? I just think they're all a bunch of whinging bastards and should just either get on with it or fight later on in the year when money's about. Ladies. Yes, dude. I've missed that northern dialect on the show from over the sea. Love that. You know, here's... i got to stop saying here's the thing. But look, fighter pay is terrible and, and it deserves a fair amount of criticism and the, and the UFC deserves the, that criticism for, for the lack of revenue share that's going on. And part of it is that uh, $4 billion debt that they had to pay off from when the company happened. But let's not act like it was doing well before then. And you may be mad at uh, Jorge Mas, and I'm not saying you personally, Joe, I'm just saying this is a blanket statement. Like people may be mad at, at, at Jones and, and Connor and Cejudo and, and Masvidal and anyone saying that they should be paid more. And these are the people that are sort of making the most money in our sport. But it has to come from the top. You know, if if the top earners are saying they're not, they're not paid their worth, there's a problem. And yeah, the, there are guys on the undercard that are getting paid fuck all. But it has to it has to come from the top. Like Connor changed the game with, with regards to fighter pay. You know, DC had a whole bit on it on the DC and Hawani show where he's saying that, you know, when, when he was doing his thing and, and, and bring him over to the table, it's good for everybody. So, um, I, I, I really think that, uh, you know, it's good for the sport, these kind of things going on, this airing of, of, of dirty laundry that's going on with, with Jorge and John Jones so needed. And Eddie Alvarez, when he left the UFC to go to one and, and said he was making like, what did he say? An eight figure contract. Obviously that's with, that's like over the course of time, probably like no one really knows the inner workings of that deal. Um, but he had this whole thing when he came on, on Ariel's show talking about that signing where he said that there's only one way for a fighter to know their worth. And that's with free agency. And I really believe that. Because if in the, in the world of economics, something is worth what someone else is willing to pay for it. And you never know until you test that. So for for Jones to say, I'm not getting paid what I'm worth, and Horrid is be, to be saying that, we won't know until the UFC lets him go or, or if they come up with more money. And whatever happens is, the, is right. If it turns out that they were, you know, they're getting offered the same deal. Like if, if he ends up signing with Bellator for the same deal or, or whomever, we always use Bellator, but it could be one championship or whatever. Although I, I don't think one championship is going to want to put their name on, on John Jones. They don't want to be in the general's business. You know, uh, they're, they're about, you know, more, they're a different kind of fighter. If, if you get my drift, but what I'm saying is that, I basically stand with these fighters who are who are wanting more pay, even if it holds up divisions. And and you can complain all you want, and again, not you, but you know, people can complain all they want. People can say, "Oh, he's ducking Usman," or "Oh, he's ducking Francis," or whatever. And I I have said that before in the past as well. But it's it's time when we we got to realize that people are knowing what they're worth. And yeah, in the middle of a pandemic, when when the UFC doesn't uh, have a gate to be able to supplement things it's not really the time to be to be negotiating that much because they don't have really the leverage 
But also they kind of do. It was like you can't put on events without the fighters. Like they, in some regards, hold the cards. And and guess what? The fighters don't get any of that gate anyway, which is part of the problem. So them asking for money. And here's the the Reebok deal is up. They're they're talking about renegotiating the Reebok deal. The fighters aren't going to get that. They're not going to get any of that. So they have every right to be hooping and hollering for for what they're worth. Juicy baby, it's your boy Gangus. Amanda fucking Nunez, man, Jesus. It's a bad bitch right there. So tell me what's next for her. It's gotta be Valentina, right? I mean, play devil's advocate for me. Tell me why it shouldn't be her. All right, brother, keep doing what you're doing. Love you, bro. Love you too, bro. And uh, I gotta say, Genghis's participation in the show has has been really important over the over the course of the the year, and uh, I really really appreciate it. So, uh, love you, bro. Reppin' Asbury. Look, man. Here's why the Valentina fight isn't isn't the next fight to make, and and I know people are saying that that's the only one that can really test her, and you'd be right to say that. But there are a lot of emerging contenders in Valentina's division that we can't just ignore. If Valentina wants to vacate that belt and go back up to 135, sure, let's do the Amanda fight and let's have, you know, Roxy versus Lauren for the for the vacant belt or JoJo. I mean, JoJo was supposed to get the next shot, so you have to put her in there. You know, do do some maybe rematch JoJo versus uh, uh, fucking uh, Chukagian again. I, mean, I don't know, but... That's not it. The the Amanda fight isn't it as far as what's next for Valentina. Like that may be what's next for Amanda. That's a good point. You know, I don't know what's next for Amanda other than maybe Irene Aldana back at 135 or Megan at 145. But uh as far as what's next for Valentina, it isn't Amanda because she has other fighters in her division. And that's just the facts. And and she's got Wei Li nibbing in her heels as well. She's got Zhang Wei Li saying, I want the, the fight with Valentina. Uh, Valentina throwing shade at her was awesome, by the way. That little clip where she was like, she's got work to do and things like that, I thought was great. Uh, but, you know, I would like to see that trilogy. It has to happen before they both retire. I do think that needs to happen at some point. So I'm not saying it doesn't. It's uh, And then there are people that are like, will die on the hill that Valentina won that second fight. Okay, man. Okay. And here's the thing. On on the record books, that's Amanda won, and that's what we have to go by. We can't start talking about fucking crying over spilled milk. They didn't run it back then, so let's move on. And and if you want to talk about a a third fight, I think Amanda's gotten better since that fight because that was the first fight that Amanda showed she could go f- the full five rounds and not fade. And I think she's gotten her cardio has gotten better since then, even with this somewhat short notice camp with Felicia Spencer. You know, she went to full five. She pieced her up. She did some grappling. She grappled for five hard rounds with Durandamy as well. Like, I don't know that the third fight would go any differently. You know, with Amanda being on top, certainly Valentina probably has the best choice. But uh, you know, I don't know. I th- I, th- I think it's uh I think it's something that does need to happen, but not right now. I don't think right now is the time. We got to get Valentina has still has to do more work in her division, you know. My girl Meatball Molly's on the come up, you know. 
So uh, there's there's a lot of things that still need to happen at 125. myself it is smoky j here from fucking australia substance this week man fucking so i just thought i'd rip down a couple of bongs for sean o fucking melly yeah sugar time bye yes you and your bong rips are welcome anytime dude what was that three dude throwback to the bong olympics we had on this show with him and ollie rod that was insane i think they did seven man ollie rod if you're listening come back dude just come back i know i know that the timeline is toxic but just come back like just come back for the show. Come back for, for your bong rips. I miss it. I miss everything about it. <laughs> bong rips for sugar, man. I love it. Love everything about it. Go follow Smokey J, dude. He's the man. What's up, Juice? It's your boy. I say dude a lot. And you can hear the sound of beautiful birds and wind behind me as I'm outside in nature. <laughs> Amanda. Goat. Obviously. Amongst female fighters. But is she the goat? Uh Amongst all UFC champions, dominance-wise, I would say probably. I just don't see anyone beating her. Uh, Cody's back, great night of fights. Wanted to talk about uh, fighter pay. Seen Jorge, Sugar Sean, these guys arguing about, you know, how much money they're making. And it's like, without a fighter's union, it's on them to negotiate. Uh, I think right now, fighters need to strike while the iron's hot, while we're in revolution mode. And ask for some more cheddar, because UFC's a billion-dollar company. And I think we can all agree these guys aren't making enough. Where do you stand on that, Juicy Boy? Uh, what's up, on my Twitter? Love you guys. Big shout out to Genghis. Love you, bro. Uh, hope everybody stays safe. Love you. Yes. All right, here's the thing. I did... God, I say that way too much. I, I gave my piece on this when I answered Joe Blog's question, but I'll add this. I don't know if now is the time... Because, A, like I said, they don't have the added revenue from uh, from the gate, which, again, they don't get a portion of, but it just gives an extra like supplement for um, the UFC. You know, like if they know a fighter is going to bring in tickets you know, for a certain area, they'll pay them more to fight in their home crowd, things like that. Um, not that they do. I'm just saying like fighters could leverage that in the negotiations if they uh, were so inclined. But the other thing is this. They're pumping so much goddamn money into Fight Island, again, if it's real, that the UFC is, like, prioritizing other things right now. Like, and the issue is collective bargaining. They they have to, it has to be collective. Like you said, without a, without a union, it's on them. But until they all say, hey, man, we're not fighting in a pandemic. We're not going to risk our health and safety for, for your fucking company until you pay us more and until that happens until they go on strike they're not going to get paid more 
you know, certain ones are if they have a good management and if they have enough cards, enough bargaining chips to, to leverage that. But it, it's not going to be what they're truly worth and it's, and it's not going to be beneficial for everybody until they all do it. You know, because the, the, everything shut down for a, for a month and a half. You know, for a, for a whole while, it was, it was basically almost two months before the UFC came back from that Brasilia card until 249. It was a while before things came back. And when they finally did, because people were unable to make a living, they were so eager to co- come back that the UFC held all the power. So it, it, it's a great sentiment. And, and I love the what you said, revolution mode. And I'm fucking there with you, dude. Um, this morning when I was getting ready, Sometimes I, I uh, to warm up my voice, I'll, I'll sing a song that I'm not necessarily going to use because, again, I stopped using the uh, uh, unique intros. I'm only doing the fighting with my cell phone from now on. I was singing, um, talking about a revolution from Tracy Chapman, and that is one of my favorite songs of all time. And Tracy Chapman is one of my favorite artists of all time because her voice is just so unique and it is so soulful. Like, it's impossible like to, to have not have feeling when she sings. Um, but... Uh, that energy and the message of that song is I think what, what they should adopt and uh, until fighters put aside their differences and, and come together and collectively bargain I don't think it's going to happen alright I got a text from my boy Rhino he said and shout out to the Combat Sports with Rhino podcast uh, I sent an interesting question to him you guys should go check that out um, he says, are there any techniques currently allowed in MMA that you think should be banned? Anything that you consider far too dangerous, even for an MMA fight? Love the show and love my fair vegan juice. <laughs> Thank you, Rhino. And you know, here's the thing, oh, man, I gotta, really got to stop saying that. Um, you know, I honestly think what's allowed isn't enough. Like there should be more, but I will say and, and and the reason for that is because part of what what, what got MMA started and, and what I think is so interesting about it is it was a way to prove what martial art, what form of martial art was most effective in a street fight, and it's to prove who's the best of the best. And so you got to allow the most techniques possible with that. And and there are some things that look bad and and from from an audience point of view and and we were labeled as human cockfighting because that piece of shit McCain, uh, RIP, uh, was sponsored by Budweiser and the whole thing about human cockfighting. But you know what? Like, I, I really think they should allow more things, you know? But I, to answer your question about things that are allowed that I think should be banned, I want to talk about fouls. You know, like eye pokes, which rightly should be banned, uh are fucking not policed enough by the referees. Uh, I didn't mean to use that word, but like they're they're not like, they don't deduct points enough, dude. Like I want more point deductions. I want more fucking penalties for fouls. And uh, part of me thinks maybe if they weren't fouls, they wouldn't happen as much. Like if eye pokes could happen, fighters would learn to defend them more. I, I don't know. I think that's probably a bit of a hot take and it's not done to just to be controversial, like, I just, I don't know, I, I do think that with groin sharks, though, like, if, if groin sharks were allowed, more people would defend them, and, and, and wouldn't, uh, wouldn't fake them to, to get time out, like, things like that are, uh, are stuff that I think should be explored more, I don't know, personally, so, as far as what's 
allowed. There isn't anything that I don't want, but uh, I think the fouls are are not um, penalized as much, if that makes sense. Hey, Juice, MMA Catfish. So from the moment the Chase Hooper versus Alice Caceres fight was announced, it didn't make any sense to me. <clears throat> Long before they were talking about it on the broadcast. And I just don't really get it. I mean, I'm not saying we got to go MVP and have dudes never fight anybody above a can except for the two times they get their ass whooped. But, like, the kid is 20, barely has any fights why in the world would you not give him someone on his level? Why in the world would you feed him to somebody like Alice Caceres, who is most likely going to defeat him, take his zero, and now you've really lost something you could push? Like just such a weird promotional decision by the UFC. What the fuck? With regards to that, I'll just say hindsight is twenty twenty, And, um, you know... Like I said, I think there was plenty of people. It could just be the you know the whole hype train aspect of how he had a phenomenal debut. But like I said, like Alex Caceres can be a, a good test for these guys because again, sometimes he doesn't all the way show up, and these guys get like that could have been a great win to boost Chase's uh, a stock. So you know, high risk, high reward, and that's the name of the game. So I don't think it was like a crazy thing. It didn't kill like Chase Hooper had this amazing tweet. Was like, hey, all the clowns that said I lost them money. I don't give a fuck about you because you don't give a fuck about me. Or it's like, I give as much of a crap about that as you give a crap about my health and safety. That's what he was saying. And you know what? This kid gets it. So I don't think he's going to be like affected by this. I don't think it like hurt his confidence. Um, I think he has the right uh, mentality. And he was, he was in that fight, even though he was not having much success, you know, he was still trying. And I, I think that's the right attitude to have. So I'm not worried about Chase Hooper's success at all, my man. Um, that's just me though. So that's it for voice questions. Let's move on to the Twitter forum. First up, we got another one from our boy, Joe blogs at Joe blogs 74. He says, do you think it's right to have low ranked fighters fighting for a title like Peter Yan versus Aldo instead of Aljamain Sterling last night on a big pay-per-view card? Yes, dude. Let, let me just say this. Aljo versus Corey Sanhagen was should have been the fight. And if you want to put uh, Peter Yan in there, don't put Aldo in there. Like I, I get that you were ready to have Aldo fight Henry Cejudo because that cringy motherfucker was wanting just like a money fight to exit the sport on. Uh, but no, that ain't it, dude. That ain't it. I, I, I'm I'm not loving that fight. Like, when things were normal and that fight was announced, I was like, okay, fine. They want to give Aldo a title shot because he should have got the decision against Marlon Moraes. That's fine, whatever. But now that things are, are not normal and Henry Suda retired and it's a vacant belt, fuck out of here with that fight, dude. That that fight is garbage. Aldo, uh, or sorry, Aljo, Aljamain Sterling versus... Corey Sanhagen should have been for the vacant title. So Corey, uh, so Aldo should be fucking wearing 12 pounds of gold right now. That's what I think. Uh, another one from the homie MMA Catfish who you just heard from. Says, I expected Sugar to win, which made me sad, but not like that. 
Wow, are Eddie Wineland and Patrick Cummins related? They both rock some great stashes. He's like Patrick's smaller brother. I didn't even notice that. That was hilarious. They both have the shaved head look with the mustache. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another question from the homie Matai Stevenson. Love this guy, at Matai Stevenson. Um, was giving me shit for, for hating on coconut bombs. <laughs> Uh, it says, fuck everyone who said this was a shit card. I agree with you, man. Uh, he said it was a great event, great fights. He says, how do we feel about giving Sugar a top 10 opponent? And how about Cody versus Marlon? Yes, dude. Um, I believe it was uh, Kairos that mentioned Cody versus Marlon. I didn't touch on that. Uh, I think that's a fine fight. Um, I honestly am worried about Cody's chances in that fight. But uh, I think it would be it would be fire while it lasts. And yeah, I absolutely think we should give Sugar a top 10 opponent. If not top 15, he definitely needs a ranked opponent. So yeah, we're we're in line right there with our uh, mentality. Absolutely. Shout out to Matai Stevenson, bro. Uh, next question from... I said broy because I was thinking of boy and bro. So that was weird. But shout out to, to Matai. Um, Tricky Rixta, my man from New Zealand, who you just heard. He says, who wins Sugar versus Cody? I said it before. I favor Sugar. I favor Sugar. People are saying it's too soon. It's not too soon. It could be too soon from a ranking standpoint, but in terms of skill level, I think Sean O'Malley is that dude. I think he really is. Uh, next question is from my man, Fuck Yugi at F-U-U-C-K-Y-U-G-I, host of the iPoke MMA podcast, who I mistakenly forgot to shout out on my list of black content creators tweet from last week. I love Yugi's podcast. It is one of my favorites right now in our community. Shouts to you, bro. Shouts to turning me around to be a John Jones fan. Like, wow, dude. I'm not even there yet all the way, but I'm almost there. Um, he says, uh, I have two. What's your favorite thing to cook and your least favorite fight of the night? Uh, so my favorite thing to cook. Um, it's so funny. Like, um, in the beginning of um, my relationship with my wife, she did most of the cooking and then Somehow it kind of switched and then we would trade off. And now, like, I'm back at work. She does a majority of the cooking just because she's better at it. Um, but, some, we, but oftentimes we cook together, which I like. It's it's like a fun thing. You know, couples should cook together. Um, it's an amazing experience. And um, I am better at making Mexican. Like, whenever we make Mexican, I'm the guy. Like, she she makes good Mexican as well. She makes some amazing portobello mushroom fajitas, which I think we're gonna have tonight. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but uh, um, I make the best squawk out of anyone you know, and that's a fact. So I always make that, and we usually make some some nice like you know black bean tacos, which are really amazing. So it's probably that the black bean tacos. Um, I also love making nachos in any form, you know, even if they're vegan nachos. You know, my girl my girl's a vegetarian. I uh, I go back and forth between being vegan and vegetarian, to be honest. People always call me vegan because I was, uh, and I just don't correct people, but I'm, I'm kind of a little bit of both. But, uh, yeah, and, and the other thing is, like, I love making, whenever I have a solid recipe, like, uh, when I had my last uh, surgery from cancer, I ordered a, a meal kit from Purple Carrot. I think I said this in that, and like, two episodes ago. But uh, they had this amazing menu where I made these, like, barbecue, uh, not barbecue, buffalo, buffalo tempeh wings with like a black bean salad or like a, there was like a black bean mango salsa that I made. It was amazing. I love making things like that, but I don't have like the cooking prowess to just like come up with that. Um, like 
K, if you guys don't follow KGB, first of all, why not? Um, shout out to uh, Notorious KGB. Um, she has an Instagram, Vegan versus Vegan, where she posts the most fire um, vegan creations. They're so good. And um, sometimes she makes edibles that she posts. And I'm like, how is that even like, that's an edible? You, you put cannabis in that? It looks so good. Um, and uh, like, I'm so jealous of it. But I, I can never do that. Like whenever I try to make those recipes, they always fail. Um, also whenever I cook, uh, my wife has recently said this, whenever I make like a stir fry or a lo mein, um, I just, I use her recipe funny enough, but the way I make it is better than what she makes it. Those are her words. Um, and my least favorite fight of the night, uh, it's hard to say. It probably was, um, the Maki Patolo fight just because, like I said, I was hating on the nickname cause I'm a hater. Um, but also, mm, no, I mean, maybe the Devin Clark fight, but everything else was fire. Like, I, that's not even like, that's only by a hair. Like, th these fights were incredible. So to say that my least favorite fight could easily have been my best favorite on a shitty night, if that makes sense. Like, if there was no other good fights, my least favorite could easily be my favorite on, on a different card. So, great question, man. Um, Joe Blog says, who do you hate more at this moment in time between Dana and Connor? You know what? It's Dana. And here's a, and, and I'm going to go off on this motherfucker again right now because Dana White's fucking Trump loving ass sat there in the press conference when, when ra racial injustice is going on in the world and he's asked to make a statement on it. And he literally pretended not to know what's going on. Like, bro, what the fuck? And I just realized that Mixed Demand sent a question about that that I have to play instead. So we're going we're gonna to insert that right now. Sorry, I didn't mean to do you like that, Joe Bloggs, but I just realized this is a really, really ties into to Mix's question uh, that I uh, neglected to play sooner. So I'm going to play it right now. And let's go. mixed a man here juice i want to get your opinion on an opinion that's right i think it's time we petitioned dana white to stick to sports you see a week ago they bravely did a two-second slide for george floyd rest in peace now since then they've been really really tight-lipped on everything going on until last night a reporter asked dana white about it, if they were going to release a statement or say something or try to do something and dana white didn't say no he acted like he had no fucking idea what they were talking about I don't know what's going on. I haven't seen anything. I've only been doing this. And frankly, I wasn't surprised. I was surprised that people are even asking. So it's gotten to the point. How about the fans, the journalists, the podcasters, anybody with a voice? Just let Dana White stick to sports. Because we know what he's going to say with politics or social justice. We've got 20 years of sound bites. We can literally just go back, take a sound bite, and play it back to ourselves and give ourselves the answer. And we know if we ask him about fights and who's turning down fights and who's signing for fights, we know he's just going to lie to us anyways. We know he's like half full of shit. So here's my petition. The fighters in the sport have infinitely more interesting voices. We elevate their voices. We champion what they're saying or, you know, in the case of Colby Covington or someone else, maybe not. But we, we, give, the, we give all our effort behind them to build their platform. Aljamain Sterling was infinitely more interesting last night than anything Dana White had to say. So I suggest we just stop asking Dana White questions. At the Dana White press conference for 30 minutes, we just sit there silently on our hands asking nothing because he has nothing interesting to say. Ask the fighters, elevate their voices, tell Dana White to shut the fuck up and stick to sports. 
I'm not a stick to sports guy, but when it comes to Dana White, come on, man. Yes, dude. Man, I agree with this so much. Almost. And here's why. I'm a fucking, I don't know, forever an optimist. And I, what, what he said was absolutely right. Dana White is not going to give an answer that we're, we're proud of. And we can play a soundbite from years ago, like you said, and it won't, it won't change. This is a guy who is not wavered from anything and not shown any sort of growth in terms of how he views the world. And what you said about championing fighters and elevating their voices, I agree with that so much. Aljo's, uh, you know, post-fight interview, I was, I was like, yes, I want more, more of that. Please go off, King, go off. I was, I was waiting, and and I wanted more people to say something. And I, and I just, you're right, they're, they're infinitely more interesting than anything Dana White has to say. But at the same time, you know, excuse me for holding my company to a fucking standard of a bare minimum of, of wanting to, to speak out against racial injustice. I, I just, oh, it infuriated me writing, watching that press conference. And I wrote a whole tweet about it. Uh, you may have seen it. If you didn't, that's fine. But I just, and, and I, and I again want to apologize to Joe Bloggs for just kind of like pivoting right away to this. And I, um, I just needed to play that because it was so apropos to what's going on. So to, to, to circle back to Joe Bloggs, who do I hate more at this moment in time, Dana and Connor? Absolutely is Dana. But let's talk about Connor for a second, dude. Let's talk about Connor. You have a fighter in Amanda Nunes who is giving validity to the champ champ status by simultaneously defending both belts and not really holding up two divisions. And you couldn't fucking let her dominate the headlines just for one night, dude. Your fucking coked up Irish ass is sitting there tweeting, Oh, I've decided to retire. Man, fuck you. With that fucking post of that brownie cake. With the icing that says, Happy retirement, daddy. Happy retirement, daddy. No. A cake supposed to make it real? That's about as real as my fucking presidential campaign in 2024. A fucking pipe dream. This is a public negotiation. Oh, I'm so mad at Connor right now for fucking taking Sean away from Amanda Nunes. And Sean and, and anyone else that had a fucking amazing performance last night. They should be the ones we're talking about. And I've in the past tried to not talk about Connor on my show because he does this. But but people are asking about it, and I, and I can't I can't not talk about it. It infuriates me. And and it just it gives it gives credence to the wrong fucking voices. My, my I'm in the middle of recording. My mother in law texts me. Did you see Connor retired? Did he even fight last night? She doesn't know any anything about MMA. Just just about Connor. <laughs> you know, we watched the Connor Khabib fight at her place, and she knows about some fights. I'm not saying nothing, but like. Didn't know there were fights last night, and then like asked me about Connor's retirement. Like, I don't want to be talking about that. I want to. I want to talk to her about how awesome Amanda Nunes was. That's what I want to talk about. I don't know. 
Another question from my man Joe Vlogs. This is an amazing question. He says, who has the better hair between Luis Pena, Alice Caceres, Chase Hooper, and Sugar Sean? I got to say right now it's Sugar Sean, and that's mostly because of the uh, the the color, the new color in his hair. I loved it, especially in cornrows. It looks so much more badass. I mean, as a fucking afro, it looked cool too. I mean, not really an afro, but like the fucking curled, permed out, whatever you want to call that. But uh, besides that, like that that notwithstanding, I would probably choose Luis Pena because of the whole the violent Bob Ross like look is fucking iconic as fuck. I love I love violent Bob Ross, and you know what? Uh, I love all those guys. Alex Caceres and Chase Hooper as well. I was like, the hairstyle was on point from both those guys. Man. So all about it. So all about Sugar Sean with that big dick energy walking in the cage with the fucking, uh, with the hair. I, I love it. I love everything about it. The homie Jason Wedbetter says, uh, Amanda doesn't even look like she was in the fight. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely true. And uh, Joe Bloggs also says, big up to Cody Stamen. My man is for real taking that fight. Made me peel onions in interview. Yes, dude, 100%. Was tearing up at that interview as well. I said that as much before, but it, it bears repeating. Uh, and I do have uh, two more questions that came in at the last second that I want to play here or uh, talk about anyway. One of, one of them is a voice question. One of them is not. This one is from IG. Um, this is from, um, this is from at Scotland for fury. You guys know, um, Scotland for fury from Twitter as well. She says, what do you think will be next for Amanda? And also, do you think Connor is serious about retirement this time? Here's the thing. So God, I gotta stop saying that Amanda. I don't know what's next for her because she's basically wiped out her competition. Like, yeah, I almost want to see like her, take time off to be with her baby with Nina and just support them and get through this pandemic and then even do like an interim belt. This is one time I wouldn't hate doing an interim belt just for like to have a legit number one contenders fight for a title to emerge and then do like a unification bout that would sell more pay-per-views. I, I think that would be a great business move for them. Um, like when's the last time she defended the Bantamweight belt? It's been a, a year. It'll be a year soon, right? Cause it was no, it Jermaine Duran to me. I'm sorry. I forgot about that. I was thinking the Holly Holm fight. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, like if she says she wants to take a year off, um, not that she has, but I'm just saying if the, this is the kind of scenario that could that could uh, enable this, if if she takes a year off and they do a uh, interim bantamweight title, that would be that would be great for the division, I think. And as far as Connor being serious, like no, like Ariel Hawaii apparently reached out for a statement. And I gotta say, this is one time where I, I I did get a little mad at Ariel for this. Like, why are you giving this fucking this guy credence? Why are you giving credence to the fucking narrative? But I mean, it is good journalism to you know confirm things like that. So I'm not like hating like a lot of people, you know, who have no training in journalism like to tell Ariel how to do his job, and you fucking are missing the point. But um, he said that he there's no exciting fights, motherfucker. You got called up by Anderson Silva, and I think you even said that there was the. You would do that. How is that not an exciting fight for you? Even if, as, a, as a fan, I don't necessarily want to see that. How is that not an exciting fight for you? I don't know, man. Connor is full of shit right now. He's full of shit. They did the whole Epstein documentary. I want a fucking documentary on his side piece, dude. I want a documentary on his baby mamas. I want that. Show me the fucking footage from that. Show me the documentary 
uh, of him punching old old guys in the in the pub. And him of him doing all the coke. Where's the documentary on that? Let's call it Filthy Rich Part Two. I haven't even seen that Epstein documentary. I just heard a lot about it. <laughs> all right, I got another uh, another la- last minute submission from the homie D Kronz. It bears repeating. So I'm gonna well not repeating, but it bears playing. I'm gonna I'm gonna play it right now. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, let's love each other as hard as we can right now. That's super fucking important. Except for you, Billie Jean. You know who you are. Fucking around with me. Ooh, you're going to get it. And uh, Dana, too. Uh, I can't wait, Juice. Tee off on our crazy uncle. Peace. I love that because of the positivity. Uh, we absolutely need to love each other more. He's absolutely right. Um, I already went off on our crazy uncle, as you know by now. I've gotten to this point. Uh, so I won't uh, give that fucking cue ball any more um, time on my podcast. Uh, and I love the Billie Jean thing. I, I, If that's not about the Michael Jackson song, I legitimately have no idea what that's about. <laughs> but that's so funny. Uh, love this guy. Go give him a follow. D. Kronz is the man. And that is a great note to end the forum. Uh, let's put a nice bow on that, even though this one was a little bit nuts. My life is pretty nuts right now. Uh, we're going to shift now into previewing the next UFC car, which I don't even know what to call it. So we're going to call it UFC June 13th, baby. So like I said, UFC June 13th, we're calling it next week's card. I believe it's also taking place at the Apex. I really wish they had um, called the last one UFC Apex. So maybe they are going to go with it this time. I have no idea. Either way, probably just calling it UFC June 13th. Um, that's what I'm calling it. And uh, it's one of those I'll take what I can get cards. I'm not mad at any of these matchups. They have virtually no divisional implications, any of them really, Um, except for the main event, kind of, but uh, only if Cynthia wins. Um, That would just be crazy, but uh, we'll get there in a second. But man, a couple interesting fights in the prelims I want to talk about. So Jordan Griffin uh, is fighting Derek Minner, and I really liked uh, both their debuts and... uh, I really liked Jordan Griffin's appearance on the Combat Sports with Rhino podcast. And I really, really liked uh, Ashley's tweet about him when he choked that dude out. <laughs> I'm a sucker for a good choke tweet. Uh, but uh, I got Jordan Griffin in this one, the Native Psycho. I love that nickname. I love Jordan Griffin. Uh, and I just uh, I can't wait for this fight. I think it's going to be amazing. It could be Derek, you know, who comes out on top. But uh, I love Jordan Griffin in this fight. I think he, I think he can get it done. And uh, I love Julia Avila uh, to beat Angela, uh, whoa, to beat Gina Maslany, um, who, who I believe is Tim Elliott's uh, boo right now. I could be wrong about that. But man, I got to say, I'm a big fan of Julia Avila. Um, I was a fan of her on, on, on IG already when uh, she posted her, her contract with the UFC. Um, and I started looking up some of her fights. She was amazing. And then her UFC debut where she uh, shouted out her, uh, you know, friend that was dealing with cancer. I became an instant, instant fan. And for she's also a geologist. Bro, love Julia Avila. Can't get enough, Julia Avila. So hope she beats Gina Maslany and makes it look easy. Even though it is going to be a tough fight. Gina's a, a, a tough girl, but I hope uh, Julia Avila does work. 
And now we move on to the main card. So opening up, we got a flyweight bout between Jordan Espinosa and Mark De La Rosa. So I like this fight. Uh, it could go either way. It's almost a pick 'em, but I think it favors Jordan Espinosa. I don't know why. It could be just because I don't have a lot of faith in Mark De La Rosa as of late. Um, that's probably disrespectful if he's listening, but uh, hopefully maybe motivates him. I don't know. Uh, otherwise, I'm taking, I'm taking Jordan Espinosa, and uh, that's that's the hill I'm willing to die on right now. Another fun fight between uh, Andre Feely and Charles Jordan. I think you pronounce it. Little little French there. Um, you could say Jordan. We'll anglicize it. No, don't got a problem with that. Uh, but uh, I like Andre Feely in this fight. I do. Um, probably because that was a, uh, I think, a good performance in his last fight. Uh, was it Sadiq Youssef? I think. That was an amazing fight. And uh, could have gone Feely's way, you know, depending on how the judging went. So I'm not saying it was a robbery or anything. I think I, I, I still scored it for his opponent. But, uh, yeah. I like feeling this fight. I think he's. I think he's going to get it done. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Charles did that. Like this is going to be a barn burner. Could be fight of the night. And I kind of hate predicting that. Like that's sort of a weird thing to predict. Like okay, you know whatever. But uh, it, it it's one to watch for sure. And another could, could be fun fight, but could be a grapple fest in like a bad way. Is uh, Marab Devalishvili versus Ray Borg, and uh, Ray Borg's. Um, Quick turnaround time, I think, will hurt him here. He probably won't even make weight. I know that's bad to say. I'm worried about him making weight since uh, he doesn't usually, and this is uh, a quick turnaround. Uh, and I like Marab. Marab has really impressed me. Um, I thought he beat his. Uh, I think I thought he won his debut fight. I want to say it was it was. Uh, who is that guy? Frankie Signs. I think he fought. Yeah, the guy that fought favor. Frankie Signs. Um, I was at the Ricky Simone fight in Atlantic City. Marab beat the brakes off Ricky Simone, and then uh, the terrible refing caused him to like lose that W. Terrible um, situation that happened to Marab. Uh, but I think Marab is going to get it done here. Uh, I also like Carl Roberson against Marvin Vittori, man. Uh, Marvin Vittori acted like an absolute fucking child. Uh, when he found out that Carl Robeson was deemed medically unfit, as if it was his fault, you fucking cretin, Marvin Vittori. Ew. Ew. I do not want to see any pro-Marvin Vittori tweets on the timeline. I'm reporting your ass if I see some pro-Marvin Vittori tweets on the timeline. What a fucking, like, absolutely ridiculous human being. Uh, also, Carl Robeson is uh, from my neck of the woods, so shout out to Carl Robeson. And uh, now I'm going to this main event, dude. And, and and it's not as bad as some people are making it out. I think it's just bad that it's a main event. It's a main event that no one asked for. It's a fight that no one asked for. Um, but I think they both want to fight and probably have trouble getting opponents. Um, I like Cynthia coming up to, to flyweight because she's had trouble making strawweight in the past. Um, and Jessica I is sort of a gatekeeper. By the way, can someone tell Jessica I that sometimes gatekeepers lose? Like she was like, they gave me the Viviani Arujo fight because they thought I was a gatekeeper, but I showed that I wasn't going to make that happen. Like, yeah, that's what makes you a gatekeeper. I mean, what? Oh man, Jessica is so hard to get behind sometimes. Um, But yeah, I think she gets it done though. I, I do. 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Cynthia Calvillo does, though. Um, she's got underrated striking and uh, pretty good scramble game. But uh, I think the way that just Guy fought in her last fight showed me that uh, she, she, can, she can hang with the best in that division. And uh, Cynthia Calvillo's, I don't think she is the best in that division. And when I say just Guy can hang with the best in that division, I obviously don't mean Valentina because she got slept by Valentina. We all remember that. We played that on loop when we were having a bad day. I mean, that was great. But uh, I just mean, like, she's a contender still. Um, and again, probably a gatekeeper, but not in a bad way, just guy. Just in a, you have to fight these young up-and-coming girls sometimes. Like, deal with it, you know what I mean? And that brings us to an end. Um, thank you to anyone who got this far. This is probably one of the weirdest episodes I've ever done. But uh, this is a weird time we're in. And uh, I'm a weird person, so if you didn't come to expect that, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. That this is me. Welcome to me. And uh, with that said, you know, as uh, Decron's irritated, just love each other, be kinder. Um, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at FWM underscore pod. You can send in a voice question by downloading the Anchor app and searching Fighting With Myself and clicking message. It's so simple and it makes the show better when you do it. So I really appreciate that. And, uh, Vote and be heard and uh, speak up for what you believe in and, and, and understand that words are not enough. And that goes for me as well. I have to check myself sometimes. But I love you guys. And again, I hope I wasn't too preachy. I'm not preaching to anyone listening so much as I am preaching to, to people who are, are, are just misguided right now. So uh, love everybody. Peace.